Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders good cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. And welcome back to a, the, another edition of the Kelly Green Hour as the Philadelphia Eagles suffer their second loss of the season, falling to the Dallas Cowboys 40 to 34 with Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew played okay. He had over 300 yards passing, a couple touchdowns, but he also had a couple interceptions. The Eagles had four turnovers. Um, and I think the biggest play of the game, which cost them the game, was a third and 30 that the defense gave up that Josiah Scott who was in the game for an injured Avante Maddox, did not drop back far enough, quick enough, and Dak Prescott was able to hit T.Y. Hilton for 52. If the Eagles stop Dallas there, if Dallas punts it, and the Eagles could potentially increase their seven-point lead to at least 10, and maybe the game is over from there. I'm your host, L.G. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Connor Donnell. Connor, it wasn't a fun game to watch Christmas Eve, and it ruined my Christmas a little bit. I won't lie. <laughs> well, because I have a, a young toddler son, I guess nothing could have ruined Christmas. But knowing that I had my whole family over and we had the TV on that game strictly to watch that, and it all went down the way it went down. Listen, it was tough to watch. I have a very big question to ask on why Scott Squared was is ever on the field at all. Boston well, Scott, Josiah no Scott. I get, no I, get, Josiah Scott. I get Josiah Scott, but man, when I watch every play over and over, all I can think is if you just put your arms up, that is not a completed so pass. All you got to do is put your you arms up. Did you hear what Scott said? He said that he was that Dallas quick snapped that he they were just they were kind of going over the signals or whatever going over the coverage, and because Dak quick snapped it, he wasn't able to get back quick enough. Now, I don't know. But I, also blame, I also blame Gannon. I also blame Gannon a little bit because that cover it was a dumb call. In, in that the coverage all together, like you, you po you made the comment I think earlier, like in one of our chat rooms there, saying twenty four for twenty four on zone coverage, yeah. and he was what like maybe like thirty percent on man coverage, like. That tells you all you need to know. You were trying to stop the big play, and what did the what did the opponent do? Yet again, they took what was given to them. And on some plays, they just ate the blown coverage. Josiah Scott is slow. Josiah Scott is very slow. He has very solid hips. He is not a very fluid mover. This is the reality of Josiah Scott. If that is your second, and the fact that they've continued to go back to him and not given the opportunity to like a Zach McPherson or given the opportunity to somebody else baffles me because every time he is in there, go back and look at PFF, go back and not the grades. I know you hate the grades. Go back in PFF and look at how often he's targeted. Whenever Maddox has been out of the game, they target him like crazy because he is not good. He is really bad he is excruciating to watch he needs to go and it also and, and one thing about actually before before we, we dive even further into this game as always follow us on twitter at kelly green hour follow connor on twitter at connor 10 
You follow me on Twitter at LJHorrell54. Follow The Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at The Painted Lines. And follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports or EOP Sports. And if you're here, if you're listening to us live, drop in the chat your thoughts on the game. Chris, what's up? How you doing? I hope, hope your Christmas was well. Actually, before we get into that, Connor, how, I know you have a son, you and your girlfriend. How, how was Christmas with the family? Did you get any, any good Eagles presents at all? I got no Eagles presents. I didn't really ask for much this year. A lot was to do with, you know, the second one that's coming, plus the one we have, and just, you know, making sure we're all set for that. Time but it out. was great. It was. Did you say second one? I swear I told you that. You did not yes, tell me. Okay, yeah, there's a second one coming in. Well, there is. You did not tell me that. Oh, man, I think I talked to too many people. <laughs> but, yeah, so we got the stuff for that. And, you know, I didn't really ask for a whole lot. It, it is what it is. I got tons of Eagles stuff. I'm like, I don't know if I need any more Eagles stuff. But it was great. I mean, it was the first time we ever pushed them with no nap. So it was kind of a traumatic day. But it was also an incredible day that I would never change for the world. So what about you, LJ? How was your Christmas? Well, you know, the Eagles losing to death. So – as they were losing to Dallas, we we left to go do like Christmas light, go look at Christmas lights. So that was dreadful for me um, because <laughs> I was not in a happy mood. Also in the chat, if you guys had any good Eagles Eagles uh, stuff, let us know. I also got Eagles. I got tickets for the Eagles Giants game. Now I'm in a conundrum because obviously I want them to beat the Saints so that they win the division, clinch number one seed. But also. I would like to see maybe Jalen Hurts and Monte Smith and AJ Brown, Hassan Wright, all those guys in the Giants game. No, but, it, but in all seriousness, that um, I, I want the I, I want the Eagles to win. Yeah, I got um, I did get the um, the, the Eagles Giants tickets. So I was very grateful for them. So I'm looking forward to that game in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, no, it was like I said, it was okay. Chris says, "Is it crazy that I'm not even worried or concerned?" The only thing I'm worried or concerned about is. Lane Johnson, will he be back for the playoffs? Avante Maddox, will he be back? Because like we just reiterate, uh, we just said, Josiah Scott cannot be on the field, especially if you're going to face Dallas. Dallas, no, Dallas will eat him alive. Why isn't, like you said, Zach McPherson, maybe Josh Job, hopefully see um, – Chauncey Gardner-Johnson will be But back. see, I'm also concerned about that because, like, everyone's like, oh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is going to be back. We're okay. Uh, was it not just like Reed Blankenship got hurt a couple weeks ago and we were super concerned about the second safety position and now Reed Kavon, Blankenship's you know, there Kavon and we're Wallace okay with actually, it? Kavon Wallace has actually played well given the opportunity. And again, what what's the one thing I told you about Reed or Kavon being out there prior to this Dallas game? They weren't going to be tested because they were facing teams that primarily run the ball. Reed Blankenship did not play a great game on Sunday because and and they were facing a team that likes to throw the ball down the field. So that's where that was always my issue. And I and and you you heard me say time and time again is they're not going to get tested until the Dallas game because you're going up against the Bears. They run the ball. The Giants they run the ball. Um, you know the the, the Titans they run the ball. So the Eagles weren't going to be going up against a an opponent that's going to throw the ball and stretch the field and test you know test those safeties until Dallas and they got tested. And they definitely did not pass. And again, that third and 30 is haunting my nightmares right now because there's yeah, no yeah. reason. Again, I don't know why. And at first I thought it was Slay, but the coverage, it wasn't Slay's fault. It was more Scott's fault. I Again, I put most of the blame on, on Jonathan Gannon because I just didn't like the call. And, and when it comes to Slay, I don't know why Slay was playing. It's third and 30. You can run back. If he throws it short, you run up, rally, make a tackle, and force him to punt. 
you don't allow people to get way behind you. And and I, again, it wasn't Slay's fault, but you got to be able to help the young guy that's the, 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 the yeah the young guy that's next to you and Scott. Um, you know, if I'm the Eagles, I'm maybe calling up Cravon LeBlanc because um, if, if he, did, Cra- he did comment on Twitter, he he's healthy, he's available. Yeah, uh, if if Maddox is going to be out going into the playoffs, which you know he's going to be on an extended period, we don't know if he'll be back for the first playoff game. I'd rather have LeBanc out there than than Josiah Scott. I the, just the, I, I can't see Scott out there anymore. The fact the fact that they're sitting there saying that it's very, two very different comments. I feel in regards to Avante Maddox's injury versus Elaine Johnson's injury. The fact that they've gone so far as to say they are confident or they have a they feel okay he could be back for the playoffs versus Avante Maddox's quote significant toe injury and that is end quote end comment and everything is very Shane, concerning. He's an incredible player, and that was one of the comments I made when I posted it on our Twitter. Was he's a he's had a great season when healthy, but the injuries have just mangled Avante Maddox this season beyond belief, and he's on a fresh new contract. So, to me, what makes the most sense for Avante Maddox? Get yourself right, get yourself healthy, because if you come back after a significant toe injury, after all the, these other two or three injuries he's had this season, I'm not 100% confident that he can have a good, a full off season, a healthy off season, and be prepared for training camp and be prepared for next season on time. I think at this point you have to get better, and the Eagles have options available. But if their option is constantly going to be turned to Josiah Scott, then we're going to be in trouble. But I feel there are other options there that they should be turned into that they're just not turned into or they have an unwillingness to turn to for some reason. Josiah Scott, I get it. He has shown something from time to time, but he has also shown us a lot of reason why he shouldn't be on the football field a number of times as well. And Reed Blankenship, I, I did want to make one comment on Reed Blankenship. Yes, he didn't have a very good game. We only had six missed tackles. I would argue, based on PFF, they say we had six missed tackles. I would argue we had more. It felt like we had a lot more missed tackles than that. Um, but having Reed and Marcus Epps as your one-two safety isn't good. Both of those just shoot out like a missile for a tackle. And they give one missed tackle to Reed Blankenship. I think he missed more. Like they missed, and I think he was saved by other people making the tackle right there, then and there. But those two guys, it's okay to have one of them. I'm fine with one of those heat-seeking missile guys who's going to go and lay a wall up on some guy, or he could completely miss the play and hope, pray there's somebody there to make the play. You cannot have two safeties that do that. I'm sorry. I get it. I know Chris, Mr. Crockpot may be upset with this. He's a big Reed Blankenship fan. I know we got a few bit Reed Blankenship fans, but you cannot have two safeties who do that same thing. I'm sorry. I just can't. You just cannot because you're gonna, it's gonna cost you in a game and it's gonna cost you at key moments. Luckily, it was Josiah Scott. Well, not luckily, but Josiah Scott cost us this week, but we're lucky it wasn't an Epps or Blankenship missed tackle. And then if you I mean the linebackers played really poor again, Kazir White had a big miss where he overran i think it was pollard maybe i'm, I'm not i'm not 100 i think it was pollard on, on a short pass and he overran him and pollard was able to get the first down or whoever it was tj edwards kind of missing in action again we're at this point i'm going to say it again time to unleash nicobe dean i want to see him i want to see him out on the field um i'm shocked at this bradbury, point like, bradbury, gave up a t- bradbury gave up a touchdown which uh, again, 
and 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 again, it comes again and not making adjustments. CD Lamb had eight catches, 103 yards in the first half, playing out of the slot primarily. Primarily, that is a mismatch nightmare when you have Josiah Scott or even a linebacker on on CD Lamb. Why isn't Bradbury or why isn't Slay rotate or moving with him? What happened on the other side? Uh, Trayvon Diggs, even though he got cooked by A.J. Brown a lot in the game, A.J. Brown tore Trayvon Diggs up, he was still traveling with A.J. Brown. He wanted that battle. Why Why couldn't Slay, why couldn't Bradbury say, I want this battle wherever he goes, I go. Now Now the Eagles did adjust a little bit in the second half. Um, he had C.D. Lamb had two catches, 17 yards, and that one touchdown on Bradbury. But it, it took way too long for the Eagles or for Jonathan Gadden to adjust. And we see that time and time again. When the Eagles play very poor quarterbacks, the game plan looks good. But when you go up against a competent quarterback, and I'm not saying Dak is great, but he is competent, <laughs> Jonathan Gadden gets scared. And then we, we mentioned it. He goes zone a lot. Dak was 24-24, 300 yards, and three touchdowns against the zone. That needs to stop. Stop playing zone when you're getting destroyed, and you always get destroyed in zone against Dallas. And I think that was one of the was that not one of the biggest things that we said in our preview episode that you need to give you need to give the pass rush time to get home. I swear me and you talked about this. They had six sacks. And I swear me and you talked about they did get home, but at the same time, like the fact that they I think one of the comments I made was that they had to play up on the guy. They had to be aggressive. They had to play man. They had to play up on these guys. And what happened when they were in zone, they got destroyed. When they were in man, they were extremely effective. And I get it. The sacks, it's a very, it's a major positive. Nothing but props to Josh when Hassan Reddick, since we seem to be on a defensive bender right now. Nothing but respect for those two. Those two are going to be, I think, are going to be very good. Josh White, we ridiculed for, what, the first four to five weeks of the season, and he has done nothing but just give us reason to praise him week in and week out. Same with Hassan Reddick. As soon as he adjusted to the defense, he did an incredible job. Um, Cliff Johnson says Slay got to step up. Well, sorry, Slay got to step up. Here's a typo fix up there, but... and. At the end of the day, I don't think anybody in pass coverage played very good. And I think that alludes back to what you said, LJ, about the zone. They allowed 27 receptions on 35 targets, but you go down the line, it was TJ Edwards, a lot went five for five. Uh, Avante Maddox, three for four. Darius Slay, five for five. Josiah Scott, three for four. Marcus Epps, four for four. Reed Blankenship, two for two. Kaiser White, four for six. Nobody was doing well in coverage. So Cliff... It's not just Slay. This was just a, I think, and it wasn't even just a coverage standpoint because obviously PFF's going to grade you out on who are the nearest coverage player. But I think this all goes back more in regards to the game plan. This is not, I don't think this is a zone defense team. I think this is a team that plays their most effective when they're allowed to play up on their guys, be aggressive on their guys, and just, like, I mean, James Barry, he went one for four. He did give up the touchdown, but that was it. That's all he gave up. When you allow these guys to play at their best and not do the square hole in a in square uh, square peg in a circle hole concept, it works a lot better. And we've seen it in past weeks. James Bradbury and Darius Slay are literally two of the top five. Look it up in every statistical category. Two of the top five, two of the top three across the board for cornerbacks this season. James Bradbury is the biggest snub of the Pro Bowl by leaps and, and bounds. Artery. 
Javon, I mean, James Bradbury, I mean, Javon Hargrave's having a great season. I think James Bradbury's season is like this over Hargrave. Like at the end of the day, Hargrave appears, he disappears just like any defensive lineman do. But James Bradbury has been an absolute stud. And to me, that's the thing. You got to let these guys do what they do best. And in the games where you've let them do what they do best, they have proven to be the best corn. I would argue the best cornerback duo in all of the NFL. And in this situation, you put them in a situation where they're playing more zone coverage than they are playing man coverage. And look what happened. They didn't look, they looked a shell of what we have been praising all season. He got, got scared. scared. And they, the worst part is the, the big plays that were given up weren't necessarily it wasn't necessarily that they were giving up big plays and we've seen this week in and week out. It's that the quarterback just takes what's given to him in zone coverage. You're going to take what's given to you all day, every day. It just so happened that Josiah Scott, the Josiah Scott situation was a complete blown coverage. But at the end of the day, they were fine. with taking, like I said, TJ Edwards five for five. He gave up 42 yards. I talked about Avante Maddox three for four. He gave up 25 this just goes to speak volumes to they're just going to take what's given to them and they're going to take the easy third downs. And that just continued to be the situation. And we've seen Jonathan Gannon do this when he plays scared and he puts his team in zone coverage and he takes them away from what they're really good at. Uh, the Eagles defensive stats, I think, are a little inflate, inflated, deflated, whatever, because they were playing mediocre quarterbacks, mediocre teams, teams that don't really throw the football. And you see what happens when you're going up against a team that wants to come out, throw in the football test, stretch you down the field, and, you know, force you to, to try to stop them. Dallas didn't run the ball that great. Um, you know, Zeke had, what, 55 yards? I don't, I don't know if Dallas had 100 yards. If they did, it was barely 100 yards. But um, they had over 300 yards passing. Like, that, the, the Eagles came into the game as the number one pass defense in, in the NFL, and they got shredded. Um, you know, we can't talk about – or we, we can say all this stuff if, if Hurts played that the, the Eagles would have won, but the Eagles had – you know, I know Gardner Johnson didn't play, and I know Maddox went out, um, you know, early in the game after a nice play on, on Dallas trying to get a little tri tricky on the throwback, but they still had most of their starters in the game, and the Eagles' defense couldn't slow Dallas down. And I think – I talked about the third and 30 play – probably being the play in the game that allowed Dallas to, you know, they tied the game up and then they had the momentum on a player or two before that Hassan Reddick had the strip sack and Eagles. If they could have fallen on it, you get the ball at midfield or at least in Dallas territory, you're in field goal range. So you're going to take a seven point lead and potentially go to 10, if not 14. And by not being able to scoop that fumble up another key play, you know, the Eagles have been winning games this year because they've been playing really good football. Four turnovers, and they're two losses. But they've lost the time of possession battle, and they've lost the turnover battle. Four turnovers does does you no good. Um, you know, the two interceptions by by Gardner Minshew, would Jalen Hurts have thrown those interceptions? Probably not. Miles Sanders had, hadn't fumbled the ball all year, at least running the ball, had a fumble, has two fumbles in his last two weeks. The, the last week was on a reception. And then the, the 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 botched handoff with Boston Scott, like there's stuff that, and I'm not saying Gardner Minshew played a, played a a bad game. And you got to give the Eagles offensive line credit too. They gave up zero sacks and zero quarterback hits. All this talk about Dallas's front four and Dallas's front seven and how they're going to get all this pressure on the Eagles. And guess what? They got no pressure on Gardner Minshew. The Eagles offensive line did great. Had, he missed Quez Watkins early in the game. Um, they did end up scoring a touchdown that drive, but he had Quez Watkins going to the right across. 
you overthrow him. A lot of the passes that Gardner Minshew threw uh, um, didn't have the zip on it. It was a lot of floaters. Like you got to be able to get the zip on the football. Um, and you know his first. I think the first interception. While it it could be argued that it could have been a pass interference, Quez has to come back for the ball. You have to get Gardner has to put some zip on it to get the ball there quicker. But Quez also has to come back for the ball and can't get bullied by the by was it Bland I think mm-hmm. um, for for Dallas. You can't be getting bullied the way he got bullied. So um, you know going into this game against the Saints, obviously the Saints' offense isn't Dallas's offense. The Saints' defense is is still pretty good if you know Lattimore comes back and. And, and Cameron plays and all that. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to – the Eagles have to to play better. They have to play smarter. They have to play cleaner if they're going to want to win. I don't foresee the Eagles losing three consecutive games. But, man, can you imagine if they, they, they had pretty much the number one seed locked up and they lose three games in a row to end the season? That would be heartbreaking. 100% it would be one of the worst case scenarios and I understand like I know going floating around the Eagles Twitter right now is Nick Wright's comments about this could be a one and done team if they get that first seed by. Nick Wright is a, a true bona fide Eagles hater. We get it. We understand it. But games like that are what justify his statement. And I understand coming fresh off the Dallas Cowboys loss and how we kind of, you know how we've been talking about how we've won some ugly games that we wouldn't have won in prior seasons. This was an ugly game. We should have come out on top. Whether you want to go out there and say, blame it on Quez Watkins, whether you want to blame it on on uh, Gardner Minshew, whether you want to blame it, blame it on the zone defense, there are a lot of situations where we could have ended up coming out on top and where we could have been the better team and won this ugly game. This wasn't necessarily a game. I don't think as a Dallas, if I was an Eagles fan and we went, well, I am an Eagles fan. So if I was a, I mean, if I was a Dallas fan and I won this game, and even if I was, if I was from the Eagles perspective, looking at it, if I, we won this game, I would have said, Hey, wins a win. But because there are a lot of butts on both sides of the football to this game, that if you're a Dallas fan, that should scare you shitless that you were probably going to have to play in wildcard weekend. And if you get the right team, the like I get it. People are ridiculing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but at the end of the day, they're about to get Vita Bay back. They're about to get Tristan Wirfs back. They're about to become a lot better football team at the worst time to have Tom Brady getting a better football team in front of them. Imagine you end up in one of those situations. This type of ugly game could be the game that continues your terrible reign of not being able to win, not being able to get anywhere in the playoffs, not being able to do anything. But equally, we can look at the Philadelphia side of the ball. If we had a 140 to 34 and we could be saying the same things, I get it. We're getting Chauncey Gardner-Johnson back, but we just saw St. Johnson. We just saw Avante Maddox. At this point, I don't think Avante Maddox is going to be back. Lane Johnson could be back, but is how healthy is he going to be? Games like this are what make you worry and make you feel like you could be a one-and-done team and like the schedule worked really well into your favor. And I don't want this to be a really negative thing, but let's be serious here at the end of the day. Yes, you can look at the schedule and say, well, in season, the records were this, this, and this. At the beginning of the season, we, as a division, 14, three of the teams with the easy schedule in the NFL were in the NFC East, and one was the other one, I think it was the Cowboys, were top five. They were fifth. 
we all had top five easiest schedules based on last season, based on some modifications of strength of schedule. So at the end of the day, we have to sit there and think, we cannot lose these games like this. We cannot lose these messy games like this. These are the types of games we have to win to prove it wasn't just about the schedule. We are that team who can pull those games off and who can make that push. And I, and I still do think that the Eagles game plan, even Dallas's game plan would have been different if Jalen Hurts played in the game. Obviously, you, you have to defend Jalen Hurts and, and Gardner Minshew differently. The Eagles – the Eagles running game suffered without Jalen Hurts because we, we know how, much, how big of an impact that Jalen Hurts has as a for Miles Sanders and then as a runner because it, it forces the defense to to try to contain him and 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 to to try to stop him, which opens up other portions portions of the field. It was a um, huge game changer. Like I noticed the way the game was being played even from the beginning. I was like, this the this offense looks nowhere like the offense we're so we're used to and it was no knock on Gardner Minshew it was more the fact you cannot spread the ball the way you've been spreading the ball without the ability of Jalen Hurts to be able to run the threat of that running quarterback is huge and you saw it I like watching that game every time we were on offense I said man if Jalen Hurts was out here man if Jalen Hurts was out here I just couldn't stop thinking of that and I get it like I mean people are going to point to Quez and people are going to point to the botched handoff and stuff in other situations I think in my mind Jalen Hurts would never have put Quez Watkins in those situations because I get it last year, like you look at it and people are looking at it last year and they're like, he was pretty good in contested catch situations. Look at his history. Yeah, but overall in his entire career, he's not a good contested catch player. And when Jalen Hurts has been the quarterback, Jalen Hurts has not put him in those situations. And it's for good reason that he hasn't put him in those situations. But at the end of the day, I was always sitting at the end of the game. I was sitting there. I was like, in this situation, if Jalen Hurts was there, if Jalen Hurts was there, if Jalen Hurts was there. And it sucks to sit there and say it because that's not going to change anything. But if Jalen Hurts was there and cover your ears, Cowboys fans, I think this is a very different outcome. Oh, it is. And the Eagles could could have potentially easily put up 50 points in that game. Like the first drive, the Eagles went down the field, scored a field goal or kicked the field goal. You know, Jalen Hurts may have led a touchdown that drive. Um, so, again, like obviously here it's 2020, you know, hindsight being 2020 hearsay and all this stuff. Um, Eagles lost the game. And, you know, yeah. And the, the funny part about it is the Eagles are Dallas's standard. For <laughs> So that it's true. The Eagles are Dallas's standard. We're Dallas's Super Bowl. What we look for, we look beyond Dallas because Dallas is irrelevant. They've been irrelevant for the last 25 plus years. Nobody cares about Dallas. Obviously, as fans, we hate Dallas and we want to beat Dallas, but we're not sitting there saying we need to beat Dallas or this. Dallas is saying the Eagles are a Super Bowl. We have to beat the Eagles, and that'll make us feel good. We're saying we need we want to win the division. We want the number one overall seed. We want to get to another Super Bowl, you know, try to win our second Super Bowl in five years. That's what the Eagles play for. Obviously, Dallas fans are all about, you know, let's um, you know, let's beat the Eagles. We got to beat the Eagles. And then if they beat us, they celebrate. And, and, you know, at the beginning, when we beat Dallas with Cooper Rush, it was, it doesn't count. You guys beat us with Cooper Rush. But they beat us when we had Minshew, and it's, hallelujah, we beat the Eagles. Who cares if you had Minshew? It, it doesn't matter if you have a backup quarterback. Like, we we even said it. What did I say after we beat Dallas the first game? I said, we beat Dallas, great. 
But did I not have a but, Connor? I said, but we need to get that Dak Prescott. We need to beat Dallas with Dak Prescott. Obviously, it didn't happen. But, you know, if we see them in the playoffs, and it's a big if because we know Dallas is, um, you know, propensity to of blow, being choke artists in the playoffs. Um, we, you know, we would, it's going to be in Philly most likely. We would beat them in Philly. I think it'd be a totally different story. John Max says Dallas lives for a two-week season. Look at the last 25 years. I do want to get your comment on this, though, John. John brings up a good point because I'm not as big of a Gannon hater as other people's are. But he says, funny how Gannon is a young defensive coordinator. He is going to probably be leaving this offseason based on the based on, you know, there's a lot of teams interested in him and have been interested in him. Uh, And has the D overall playing better than 31 other teams? And every Eagles fan knows if Gannon was coaching another team's D this year. And this, well, we would all, no exception, be trying to think of scenarios to get him here. Mm -hmm. I want your opinion on this, uh, this LJ, because you're more of a Gannon hater than me. I there are certain there are certain things about Gannon that frustrate the living hell out of me and his inability to adjust and change and in in game and stuff because it feels like he watches tape on the game and he sticks to that and he's like I saw this tape this is how I want to coach this game or this is how I want to play in this game but at the end of the day Gannon is being approached by other teams and likely going to be poached by other teams for a very specific reason he is a very, very smart defensive mind. So I want your opinion on this, LJ. He's just, he doesn't, the fact that he doesn't adjust quick enough is worrisome and is an annoying. And he gets scared against good quarterbacks. If you look over the last, how long has, has this coaching staff, the last two years, when we've gone up against competent quarterbacks, this defense looks really bad. When they go up against the, the you know, the Cooper Rushes and, and the Ben Denucci's of the world, the defense looks really good. He is scared when it comes against a competent quarterback. That's what worries me in the playoffs because you're gonna you potentially could see Tom Brady, you potentially could see Dak Prescott. And again, I'm not saying Dak Prescott's that great, but he's still competent. Um, so that's a, that's what we're. And if you get, if you get to the Super Bowl, you're gonna see Mahomes. And obviously, I'm not gonna be complaining because we'll be in the Super Bowl. So like, if we get to the Super Bowl, great. But he he needs to react quicker, adjust quicker, and stop being scared. And and look, I get it. Just you know, he has a game. You go into a game with a game plan, and it's great. Uh, you want to try to, to stick by that, by that game plan. But the game plays out differently most of the time than what you thought. And when it plays out differently than what you thought, you need to make adjustments and you need to change. But you need to change quick. And not wait till halftime, or not wait until later. Make like the CD Lamb when when Dallas was putting CD Lamb in the slot. Why again? I'm going up to Slay, or I'm going up to Bradbury, and saying which one of you guys want Lamb. Wherever he goes, you go. If he goes to the bathroom, I want you there shaking it for him. Like that's what that, that's what I'm I need to do. I need and again, Lamb went two catches, 17 yards in the second half. That's great. But he had eight catches, 103 yards in the first half. That shouldn't happen. I actually love Allison's comment here. I like Gannon, but momentum and situation football mean more than Gannon thinks it does. Hashtag third and 30. Definitely a, a fair, fair hashtag to point out here. But I absolutely agree. He does like he doesn't make the adjustment to take the momentum away. 
And it seems like in a situation, he does not make the adjustment either. Like, that's the thing. When you're in that zone coverage, like you saw that, that 24 for 24 for Dak Prescott, he was 27 for 35 on the day, 24 for 24. That came on strictly zone coverage. against man. Three of 11 against man. Like Exactly. He doesn't understand momentum and a situation and taking advantage of a situation and taking momentum away. And that's probably been one of my biggest knocks on Gannon. He needs to understand at a specific point when it's time to shift the situation and a definitely time to realize when momentum is changing and you need to shift momentum and- back or make some sort of attempt to shift momentum back in your favor. And when it comes to Gannon, like I'm not – one of those fans that I want to see him blitz, 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 like a lot of people do. But adjust, God, like adjust. When you watch the San Francisco 49ers defense, when you watch D'Amico Ryans, who should be the clear-cut favorite to be a, be a head coach this this coaching cycle, um, like he makes adjustments on the fly. Why can't Gannon make these adjustments on the fly? That's the frustrating part about it. Again, I'm I, I'm not Gannon's biggest fan, but – I want to, like, just adjust, my guy. Like, you're going to see Gannon against – you're going to see Gannon's defense against Andy Dalton this week. They're going to look good because Andy Dalton sucks. You're going to see him against the Giants and and Daniel Jones. And granted, depending on what happens this week, it'll be all backups. But if if, if the starters had to be out there against Daniel Jones, they're going to look good because Daniel Jones sucks. But when you go up against a competent quarterback, he's scared. He coaches scared, and that's my issue going into the playoffs. And John says, and that right there goes back to him being very stuck in his ways. And it feels like the Eagles always take a defensive coordinator who's stuck in their ways. Look back at Jim Schwartz. Same, identical. They're stuck in their ways. They don't understand back to Allison's comment. Momentum, taking away momentum, and then situational football and figuring out what you need to do to really shift the momentum and change the situation you're being put in. He was constantly putting himself in a situation where Dak Prescott said, hey, if you're going to play like this, I'm going to take the five yards here, the six yards here, the four yards here. You only need 10 yards. All you got to do is work 10 yards. That's how they pretty much worked. The Cowboys worked. They knew they had, we just need 10 yards. And they just played it that way because that was the situation. They were constantly being provided. We just need to make it a manageable second down, manageable third down. Here we go. Here's an opportunity. Get those 10 yards. And then in third and 30, they said, here, we need to get our 30 yards. And here was this amazing opportunity to get the 30 yards. That was a rare, like, situational instance, like Allison points out. Um but at the end of the day, it was extremely frustrating. And, and I mean, for, but I mean, to flip to some positives, I was actually really happy they used Miles Sanders. 21 carries is a ton for Miles Sanders. That was really impressive. If it was, if it was Jalen Hurts there, obviously that's probably 15 carries or 14 carries, a lot less because it feels like they want to run him a lot more. But this is a situation Miles Sanders should be in, especially when he may not be back next season. This is a good opportunity to use him. And while it was a 3.1 yards average, it wasn't the prettiest. He did do fairly well. He was fairly effective. And, of course, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown have got to be one of the dirtiest duos of wide receivers out there. That was amazing. There was so much positive to take from that offense, minus the turnovers, the botched handoff and the turnovers with Quez Watkins. Like, I have so many positives. Even Dallas Goddard being back was huge. He went three for 67 for 22.3 on average. That was huge. There were so many positives to take from this offense. It I would have went sucks. to Goddard more than I, 
I would have went to Goddard more than they went to Quez. Um, yeah, yeah, Dallas Goddard. It, it was Eagles, three for Eagles, three, Eagles, and Eagles Quez Watkins it was five. He the they targeted kept, Quez five times. The Eagles kept that Dallas. This I think that they came into the, the the game ranked second in the league in sacks to zero sacks, as I mentioned before, zero quarterback hits. Michael Parsons had maybe one tackle. I don't know. Um, he did have the force. I think he had the force fumble on, my, on Miles Sanders. Um, Demarcus Lawrence when. When the Eagles had that, I think it was either third and goal or fourth and goal from the one. He was chirping, saying, "Yeah, bring it, bring it, bring it." The Eagles QB sneaked it. They knew it was coming, and still, and, and Gardner Minshew was still able to score a touchdown. Um, you know, the last drive, the Eagles went down the field pretty easily, easily too, down the field, and then, you know, not having Lane Johnson out there on the right side kind of brought uh, Dallas was able to bring the pressure on um, on Minshew, and he wasn't able to hit, um, you know, find any receivers and and. Man, that would have been an awesome way to win the game if they, if they were able to score on, on that last drive. Um, as you mentioned, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith having great games, both over 1,000 yards. So, yes, there are positives from the game. It was just frustrating because it was a game the Eagles had two 10-point leads. Um, the Josh Sweat's pick six. like That was all a the thing momen- of beauty. All the momentum. So they, nice. They had the momentum early on and just weren't able to hold on to it. And it just stinks losing to Dallas. Like, I get it. We don't – base our season off beating Dallas. We base our season, obviously, winning playoff games and trying to get to the Super Bowl. We're not Dallas fans who base their season off of beating us because that's who they want to be after being irrelevant for the last 25-plus years. But um, we'll see going into this week's game against the Saints. Just And, and the one thing I do want to say, ES, the dumbest beat writer that, that covers the Eagles, uh, Elliot Shore Parks, talking about they need to win by style points this week. Bro, there is no college football playoff committee. There is no committee that's going to seed these teams. All they have to do is win. They can win, they can get healthy, and then take care of business in the playoffs. I don't care if they win 2 nothing. Would it be frustrating? Sure, because that means the offense didn't do anything, and we're all, we're all having heart attacks into the fourth quarter. But all the Eagles need to do is win, 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 clinch the division, clinch the number one seed, and we'll hopefully get Jalen Hurts back. I, I actually think Jalen might play this week, but – I don't, he doesn't need to, but I think he's going to want to. Um, so you you get Jalen. Jalen can get healthy. C.J. Gardner-Johnson can get healthy. Hopefully Maddox can get healthy. Lane Johnson can get healthy. Get some of these guys off the feet in, that, in the game I'll be going to. Uh, it'll be another COVID replacement game against the Giants. But, like, get, get, get Kelsey out there for his first snap and then let Cam Jurgens play. Um, let's see Driscoll. Let's see, you know, Petta. Let's see all the young guys go out there. And, and get a chance because I, we need to be healthy come January 22nd. Uh, if we win that, that 21st, 22nd, whatever day that the, um, the, the divisional playoff game is going to be, I don't want to see these guys having to play a game in two weeks that they need to win. I just want it to be a nice, easy, enjoyable day at the link against the Giants. Agreed. Agreed. And you're going to that game and you want it to be that way. So yeah. that, that speaks yeah. volumes, but um no, Micah Parsons was not given the forced fumble. It was actually uh, Carlos Watkins who was given the forced fumble. Um, and Micah Parsons had three tackles, but he also had three missed tackles and eight total pressures, which was the highest on the team. But, of course, he's always going to have the highest on the team. What do they consider a pressure, though? Because it didn't feel like he had any pressures. Like, watching pressures. that game, it definitely did not feel like he was 
in Gardner Minshew's face at all. That That's the thing. I think a pressure, it, I mean, it, it's up for debate. Like everybody has a different perception of pressure. pressure. I don't think it necessarily has to mean that you're right up in their face, but anything that puts them in a situation, I guess, to feel any sort of pressure. And there's a part of me, like, don't get me wrong. I feel like there is an overabundance of pressure on PFF for Micah Parsons. And I think that goes for any defense, any front forward defensive player who's really good. Like, I feel like Aaron Donald probably is more than he should. Micah Parsons probably is more than he should. There's certain players who probably more than they should because you just see it. You're just, wow, you're awestruck. You're like, that's a pressure. That's a pressure. And that's just kind of the, 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 pitfall to pff is that it is all about how somebody sees it or how somebody views a game and then they have someone who also watches it and reviews that as well but i mean if you're sitting there and you're just awestruck by the play of a certain player sometimes it may over over you know overblow over inflate the stats a little bit but um i agree with you I do not want to have to see a week 18 game that means something. We got this far in the season. We lost one game all season up until the Dallas Cowboys game. And you're going to go back to back losing games and have it actually have to mean something in week 18 would be heartbreaking, would be absolutely excruciating. I don't really want to see Jalen Hurts out there, but if there is a game I would want to see Jalen Hurts out there, it would probably be this game against the Saints because I don't want him in a divisional game. I really don't. Those are the games where players can get dirty, situations can get dirty. I'm glad they took the smart approach in this Cowboys game because I feel like that shoulder injury would have been worse. I feel like they probably would have really went after him, and it's dirty. It's just the way that things go. Um, But, yeah, there's some positives to take from this, but I would love to see Jalen Hurts play this week for the sake of let's – Let's get this over with. If at halftime, the Saints are playing for something too. Yeah, the Saints are, which is wild. Which is wild that they're playing for something. That division is so bad. NFC South. They're like us of last year or two years ago. What was it that year that it was? The Washington uh, Commanders, who are seven, seven, and one, would be in first place in both the AFC South and the NFC South. They're in last place in the East right now. Um, But yeah, even the Giants are going to be playing for something in, in two weeks as well because they're still have a chance to clinch a playoff berth. So, so we'll see. We'll see um, if Dallas loses to the Titans on Thursday night, the Eagles clinch the division. Um, so th- that'll take a little bit of pressure off. Obviously you need a win or um, you'll need a win or a Vikings and Niners loss in order to, to get clinch the number one seed without winning, but let's take care of business this week and, and, and handle it. FYI, I just want to say this, James Bradbury, what did I say? He went one for four, allowed seven yards in a touchdown his likely replacement in the Pro Bowl way allowed five receptions on five targets for 98 yards and a touchdown. Trayvon, Trayvon Diggs. Diggs. Dude, just, AJ just Brown on that, that first drive. Get the chance. AJ Brown, what did I say on Friday? Did I not say double move? If you do a double move, he Diggs will jump. Second or third play of the game, AJ Brown double move down the field. And, and Diggs just on it because he, he's a, he's all about trying to get the stats. Remember that tie that interception they had at the end of the game, and he was he was complaining because he wanted it instead of his teammate. He's all about the stats. All right, so before we finish off the, um, let's get our unheralded player of the game for week. What are we? Week fifteen, week sixteen in the National Football League. Who you got, Connor? 
I, I had a hard time with this between two players, and it was either Baker Mayfield or Cam Akers. So I'm going to go with Cam Akers because Cam Akers has had a rough go of it. Like, you know, the the injury, and then he didn't really get an opportunity. It seemed like there was a falling out going on with Sean McVay, and then he goes off 23 carries, 118 yards, three touchdowns, and a absolute listen is slaughtering the Broncos that impressive not really this season because the Broncos are 4 and 11 now but the fact that the Rams beat them 51 to 14 and the Rams are essentially playing with backups almost across the board it to me is impressive enough that Cam Akers gets it I'm not a huge Cam Akers fan I don't think he's as good as some people give him to be but I think he is a formidable RB2. I think he's somebody who can work, who can push a pile. He can do his job. He can do his thing. He's not an RB1. I don't think he's someone like Christian McCaffrey. I don't think he's somebody like Saquon Barkley, someone who's going to take the bulk of the workload and be a consistent option for you week in and week out. But this was really impressive. Baker Mayfield is showing something in LA, and it's crazy because he's going to get another opportunity somehow somewhere i don't know where i don't know who but i feel like he's gonna get another opportunity i can't believe it i'm gonna go with deontay foreman for the carolina panthers who guess what are in it in the nfc south if they went out they win the division he went 21 carries 165 yards and a touchdown in their 37 23 route of the detroit lions who were everybody's darling in the NFC talking about if they made the playoffs, nobody's going to want to see them. So I'm going to go Deontay Foreman. And ever since they traded Christian McCaffrey, he's been really good um, as the starting running back. Him and Chubba uh, Hubbard have been really good. So I'm going to go Deontay Foreman. You go. I know. I, I almost would have wanted to go Chuba, Chuba Hubbard because, well, he's Canadian. So it feels like that's <laughs> something I should have probably Did won for last week. Life. Didn't you take him yeah, last week? I feel like I that? took him last week. I, I definitely did take him last week. But it's crazy to think about the Carolina Panthers being in. Like, that division is just so bad. Like, we sit there and we laugh and like, oh, my God. Like, the, what was it? The, what was it the year that the uh, the Washington Commanders got in? They were 7 and 8 or? 2020. What? It was 2020. Because that was Doug's last year. And it was like, but it was below 500 and everyone was laughing. And I was staring at a seven and eight, six and nine, six and nine and five and 10 division where it's literally like even Atlanta can possibly be in it, even though they're likely not like New Orleans they, is still I think in eliminated it. already. They probably are, but like five and 10, like theoretically, if it wasn't for losing a divisional game here and there, like they probably still had a chance. But the fact that you're sitting there looking at seven and eight, six and nine, six and nine, and we have the draft pick of one of them that could, if the Saints actually are able to get in, would completely screw us after we've been mm-hmm. laughing about being a top five pick for much of the season. We're just hurt, but it's crazy to think about how bad that division is. It's really bad. Um, Both, like I mentioned, even the AFC South is bad. The Jacksonville Jaguars are in first place right now. And the Week 18 matchup between Jacksonville and Tennessee is going to determine that division. So that could potentially be the Sunday Listen, and I love to see that because, listen, if there's a team in the AFC I would cheer for, it's probably going to be Doug Peterson and the Jags probably because I know they're going to get demolished in the playoffs by like, you know, the chiefs or the bills or, or a team that well, they can wouldn't definitely face go them pound the first round. Pound. Wouldn't they wouldn't face the them in the first round. But if you go pound for pound with the, once you get in with those guys, I don't think I would trust the Jags, but they're definitely ahead. Like there's some teams who are definitely ahead in this rebuild. And I think it goes to 
show and speak volumes to culture building coaches. Look at Dan Campbell. Look at Doug Peterson. Look at Nick Sirianni. Look at these guys who build a culture, get people bought in, and get ahead of their rebuild like they do. And I know that Detroit, it's been kind of a long time coming, but man, you got to respect Detroit and and like where they've come based on their situation. I mean, I can. Maybe you can. I can. I, I still think Dan Campbell's a phony, but that's just me. All right, so we'll be back later this week. Uh, Oh, Come on you, back John. anytime, John. Come on back anytime. We we love you. We are here every Tuesday and Friday. All right. So speaking of that, we will be back this Friday, maybe earlier than normal, maybe early like last week. Who knows? Um, if you're able to, Connor. Um, as the Eagles get ready to face the New Orleans Saints and a game that does matter because A, the Saints are still battling for the division, and B, the Eagles have the Saints first round pick. So we want that to be as low as possible as always follow us on twitter at kelly green hour thank you all for cho- or chiming in on the, in the uh, chat we appreciate all the back and forth uh with everybody for connor i'm LJ. thank you for listening and tuning in to the kelly green hour you want philly food yeah let's do it sanders patiently